Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message. Well, family relationships are vitally important to God, and all of us uh, have families of some kind. If you don't have a biological family, you have a spiritual family in the house of the Lord. Now, Apostle Paul here, when he was teaching Timothy, he's pointing uh, to a very, very, very important fact that a person, when you neglect your family, it's almost as if you are also denying the faith. That's how serious it is. That's how much of a family man God is. He wants you to take care of your family, and particularly those in the household of God. Now, are we doing our part to meet the needs of our families? Today we're actually going to be talking about what are the things that we are feeding ourselves, not only physically but spiritually. And so if I were to ask you the question, what are you feeding your families today? Would you be ashamed at what you would say? And now I'm talking about what are you physically feeding your families? See, we're, we live in a time now where everything is quick. We don't have time to prepare for dinners because we're working. We're, we're, we have so many involvements. We have children's activities. We, have, we just go, go, go. That's how the world is today. We don't have time for anything and very little time for our families. So we live when everything is expected to manifest now. We want fast food. We want the weight to fall off now without doing anything to help it fall off. You know, we're trying to help you. That's why we talked about inviting you out on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> we want our banking accounts to improve now without doing anything to invest or put into it. And we just don't want to take the time because of how our lives are today. See, we even have doctors that will now paint on abs so you can look like mm. you got a six-pack. You guys seen that? They spray them on? Who yeah. wants? Yeah, but, I mean, but, but it's true. Um, my daughter actually hit me to this, and I'm going to kind of go off on the side. Y'all How like that word? Y'all like that word, hit me to it? Oh, that's an old word. Um, what is a movie? Yeah, all the Twilight movies. Who loved Edward? Okay, yep. well, his abs weren't real. No, really, his abs weren't real. The doctors made him look like he had abs. And that, see, that's what we can do today. We have the ability to go out and make ourselves look about any way we want. We can cut off fat. We can suck it out. We can change our lips. We can change our nose. We can change our eyes. Literally, I could look like somebody else. You might not, matter of fact, you might not even know. This might not be what I looked like when I was Ooh. born. It better be. <laughs> I'm just saying. See, we have a problem in this world today. Um, the world, and, and this may not apply specifically to us, but because I look around and we got some good looking folks in here. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. nationally, 37.8%, that's almost 38% of Americans are considered obese. And out of that 38%, 8% are considered extremely obese. Mm. There's a problem. Mm -hmm. And we need to do something about it. But see, here's what's happening. What we're doing to our physical bodies spills over mm. into our spiritual. That's the reason why today the church and the family is becoming weak 
and feckless, and we have no impact, not only on our families, but not on our spiritual lives. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about two sides here. We're going to talk about a negative consumption of bad, unhealthy things, and then we're going to talk about a positive consumption of good things. So how do we feed our families unhealthy things? Um, you might find this one to be pretty interesting because it, it really struck me uh, by feeding them nothing. <laughs> and when we don't teach them anything, you best believe they're learning something. When we refuse to teach our children, they will learn. They just won't learn from you. The Bible is pretty clear, saints of God. It says, and over in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, it says, My people perish mm -hmm. for the lack of what? Knowledge. If my people perish for the lack of knowledge, I wonder what happens when you have no knowledge at all. My people perish for the lack of knowledge. I, I know I've heard a lot of people say knowledge is bliss, right? Or ignorance is bliss. But, but it really isn't. Ignorance will kill you. What you don't know will hurt you. <laughs> Amen? And so that's why we don't say that. In, in, at least I don't say that anymore because, you know what, I want to know because what I don't know can harm me. Now, if we leave the teaching of our children to other people, um, we're setting ourselves up for failure. Now, we got some statistics that I want to show you. And it's, uh, hopefully this will... will uh, a lot of times we like to give natural examples of the spiritual reality because this, is, this shows you the direction our society is going in, and so goes uh, the church sometimes. 54% of, of four- to six-year-olds choose watching TV to spend the time with their fathers. That's, 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 a, that's a big number. Watching TV over going out with dad, playing ball, tennis, walking, talking, that's a pretty big number, saints of God. But what does that imply? Now, you can talk to us. What does that imply? No relationship. That's right. Yeah. And we've got to get back to building relationships because the Bible is all about relationships. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is a relational God. Look at this statistic. Average hours per year an American youth spends in school is 900 hours. But the average hour per year the same youth spends watching television. 1,200 hours. So you watch TV more than you do in education, right? Again, we're just showing you some statistics here. So what's educating our children? Television. So then this number right here makes all the sense in the world. Number of violent acts seen on TV by age 18, 150,000. So we don't have to ask ourselves why is our society getting more violent. Well, they see more violent acts. You have games like Grand Theft Auto and that, that shoot up people, stealing cars. And, and now these games are so visual, it's just like you're killing a real person. So the, the children don't have much of a change to go from a video game to reality because that's what they're seeing. What you feed on is what your body is going to desire. What you give your body, if you give your body a lot of sugar, your body is going to desire sugar. Hello, somebody. So does the body of Christ. Whatever the body of Christ feeds on, whatever your family feeds on, that's what it should desire. Let me give you this last one because I love showing people this one. 
So we spend about two hours in church weekly. That's about 104 hours per year for Christian instructions. 104 hours. And then some people get mad because we in church for 45 minutes, or I preach for 45 minutes, or we in church a little bit longer. 104 hours compared to 1,200 hours watching television, 150,000 violent acts that they see, 900 hours per year in school. But the church gets blamed mm -hmm. for everything when we, all we got is 104 hours per year. The reason I wanted to show that statistic is the church is not responsible. Family is. We got to get back to parenting and policing our own house first. I refuse as the pastor to take responsibility for stuff that parents need to be doing in their own house. Amen. 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 So we just wanted to show you guys that because we got to understand that what we feed them is vitally important. It is our responsibility to teach our children even beyond what they learn in church. We can show them things back here in children's church, but all of that stuff has to be confirmed with you. You talk to them. What did you learn in church today? How can you reinforce what they've learned? Um, most of you are already doing that kind of stuff, right? You're doing more than what the church can do. I'm just saying we got to get better at it, right? Because we only have a short period of time. I look at Caitlin. She's 27 years old now. I remember she was running around with, with just with nothing on, running out of bathtub, running around the house. And it's like instantly like, man, God, our baby girl is 27 years old. You got to put those tools in them now. You gotta feed them the good stuff so that they can desire more good stuff. Now, Lane has the next one. So, the second negative consumption that you can feed your family is by giving them negative, teaching them negative attitudes. And you probably say, "Well, I don't teach my children negative attitudes." <laughs> <laughs> right? Do you teach your children negative attitudes? Yes, we do. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. So I'm not suggesting that you're bad company for your family or your children. But what I am saying is that attitudes are caught that, rather than being taught. So what happens is in our home, mm. if when we have church service and you go home and you're like, mm, did you see what so-and-so had on? Or, and, and you may not be talking to your children. You might be talking to your spouse. You might be talking to your friend. But your children are listening. Mm. What kind of attitude are they picking up from that? What happens uh, today in the school system when the parents go to the school, rip the teachers a new one, and the children are right there? What kind of attitude is right. that? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what happens is, what happens if... Um, you're always negative towards something. You know, whenever you, you, you talk about things as, oh, well, this is, woe is me. What kind of attitude mm. is that? What are you feeding them? What, what kind of what things are they picking up from you? Because I can tell you they're like sponges. Children are sponges. And however you are, you, I can promise you will <laughs> see yourself manifested in them. So are you giving them positive things or are you giving them negative things jo -Jo Josiah knows. said negative <laughs> <laughs> he said yeah <laughs> but, but do you understand saints 
I, this is real practical. I'm not trying to make you feel good. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I am trying to get you to think. We are so easily led by our emotions that we can go out and say and do things that we don't understand the implication mm -hmm. that it has on the people that we are closest to, especially when we're trying to raise our children. You know, you, you go home and you have a prejudiced spirit in you, guess what? <laughs> Your children are going to be prejudiced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can act one way in the public, but when you go home, it's just you <laughs> and them. And whatever you are doing there is what's going to come out in public. So, you know, you go home and you talk about other kinds of ethnicities, guess what? They're going to go to school and they're going to treat them just like you're talking about mm -hmm. them. So that's the kind of stuff we're talking about, negative attitudes. We have to be more careful about what we are giving our children and our families and how we're acting, not just in public. See, God sees it all. Mm -hmm. It's really what you do in private that matters. Mm -hmm. I had a case, uh, I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, so you don't get no more Southern than that because if you keep going, you're gonna be in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, I had a case where I was in a store uh, a lot of you guys probably don't know this store because most of the people in this church are bougie. And uh, I used to shop at Roses. How many of you guys remember? Oh, y'all know Roses? Oh, man, I thought y'all was going to rock me. I ain't lying. I thought y'all going to. I can't believe Pastor goes to Roses. So, uh, okay. Oh, I feel better now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so we used to go to Roses because we didn't have much. I mean, we grew up in a, you know, part of town. We didn't have a whole lot. And uh, and I was I was in I was in the store, and uh, it was a little kid. He was probably maybe maybe six, and um, he said, "Look, Mama," an N word. And so I was a teenager at the time, uh, a little roughneck, you know. And my first inclination was, "Well, I'm gonna slap that Joker to get the racism out of." Him. But then I looked at the Mama. Because the six-year-old wasn't responsible for what he said. Because racism is taught. You're not a born racist. Kids don't know how to hate people. They learn that at home. Amen? Amen. So you, you can teach something in your house, and you're trying to say, well, I, I don't have a racist bone in my body, but look at your children. Yeah, we had a situation when Caitlin was five and in um, kindergarten. And she'd gone to school, and this was around the time, you know how old she is, right? So this is around the time when the O.J. Simpson stuff was taking mm -hmm. place. And a little boy came to school, and he used that word. Mm -hmm. And so Caitlin came home, and she says, Mommy, Daddy, <laughs> what's, what's up? up? <laughs> I'm like, what? And see, she was semi in the church at the time. I wasn't in the church at all at the time. Yeah. So when I heard that, you know I'm ready. To, uh, somebody's going to get hurt. Because right? she didn't know. Now, and I will tell you, she'd never heard that. Never heard So it. she didn't know what it was. So she came and asked. Well, you can imagine what our first inclination was. Well, I know we followed our first inclination. We went to the school. We sure did. And we talked to the teacher. But I'm saying that to say this. That child didn't know what he was saying. He was only imitating yes. what he had heard. Mm -hmm. 
But that could have turned into a bad situation had we been worse people. Thank God we weren't as bad mm-hmm. as some. And, and let me just say this. since, since Can we be real? All right, let me, let me talk to my black people for a second. Don't be going around talking about, what's up, my... Don't do that stupid mess. Because the moment somebody that's another race call you that, you get mad. Oh, yeah. I hope I'm in the right church, because I'm going to tell the truth anyway. So you go around and you're doing that kind of stuff, and then your kids go around doing it. And then, then, then you get mad and upset when somebody else from another race says it. Amen? But do you understand the definition of the word? Let me go ahead and say it. Nigger is an ignorant person. It has nothing to do with ethnicity. Hello? So, so listen, let's, let's get better in our own house first. Amen? Now, granted, I know racism is in this, this nation. is all over the world. I'm not oblivious to that, okay? I dealt with it in my face. But just because I dealt with it, it doesn't mean I'm going to be complicit with what a lot of people are doing today. I'm a pastor. I preach reconciliation. So I am not going to be pushing somebody else's agenda. I'm going to be pushing God's agenda. Hello. It's, It's all about his agenda. His agenda is racial reconciliation. But let me say this final point. There is never, ever going to be a case when we are on this earth that racism is not going to be a problem. Ever. Ever. Why? Because we're still sinners. And sin is going to be on this earth until Jesus comes. But I promise you, there will be no races in heaven. Black, white, Jewish, Hispanic, I don't care where you're from, there will not be any races in heaven. I promise you that. So if you, if you want to make it, you better not be a racist on the earth. Hello, somebody. Amen. Amen. So let me give you the next one. Uh, by teaching no standards for life. See, we live in a world where truth is ambiguous. We don't know what it is. Now they're trying to mar the truth. And the way they're doing that is saying that there are no absolutes. Mm-hmm. Because without absolutes, then how will we know what's right or wrong? Amen. And without truth, you will not know what's right or wrong. And they don't want you to be absolute. So here's what I do with the skeptics when they say, well, oh, John, uh, I don't believe that there are absolutes in this world. I don't believe in absolute truth. And I have to ask them, are you absolutely sure? You probably get that going home. Because if they're absolutely sure, isn't that an absolute? You don't have to fuss with people. Just give them truth. There has to be absolutes. How will you know murder is wrong if you didn't? Or people say um, um, the end justifies the means, right? It doesn't matter how, what you need to do to get to the end as long as you get to a good end. That's what that means. But I got I to gotta write this down statement here. It says, it says that the end does not justify the means if the means used are immoral illegal, mm-hmm. or simply wrong. Amen. Amen. Amen? Again, this is a very pragmatic message. We're not, we're not trying to be all super spiritual here. We're just giving you some, some very practical things, and here's the scripture to back that up. What shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
God forbid. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? God's grace does not give us a license for immorality. Mm-mm. Let me say that one more time. You can actually find that in Jude uh, 4. It's only one chapter, but Jude 4 teaches this. It says, God's grace does not give us a license for immorality. His grace commands us to change. Are you here with me? And as the parents, as guardians, as I don't believe in step anything, you're not a step parent. Nobody is a step parent. You are either a parent or you are not. I don't believe in step kids. If you got to be a step, don't marry the person. Amen. Take that, just keep on stepping. That's right. <laughs> you, you, you hear me? I don't care who it is. You know, but if they're going to treat your children like they're stepchildren, you tell them to keep stepping. Because once you get married, those are not stepchildren. Those are your children. Hello, somebody. We got to get the world out of Christian families. There are no stepchildren. There's no stepdad, no stepmama. No, you're a mama and daddy. And there's no yours and mine. Oh, that's his kids. I hear women say that all the time. Those are his kids. It doesn't work that way. Mm -mm. When you said, I do... (laughs) You took all of me (laughs) or none of me. There's a decision that has to be made. So when you say I do, that I do is Mm all-encompassing. That means, and the two shall become one. But what if that two has some baggage? That's your baggage, baggage too. That's right. That's right. And so that's something we've got to get out of the church because it really is a secular um, mindset. mindset. Mm -hmm. That's right. To, to be able to say, well, you know, th- those aren't mine, those are his. Or those aren't hers. Those aren't mine, those are hers, right? That's something we've got to get away from. Um, I'm sorry, I just can't move yet. And, uh, and particularly, I see this with, with women more so than I do with men. Ladies, if, if you want that man to be your husband, that man has to be able to discipline those children. If you just get out of the way and let the man be a man, then you won't have to fight your teenage kids later on. Am I talking to the right church today? So, so now, that's not easy. No, it's not. I, I tell, tell the story with when I had to, yeah. Well, you all know Caitlin is not his stepchild. She is his child. But at the time, I mean, maybe not biologically, but she's his child. So at the time we were married, it was the first time that he had to actually chastise her and spank her, and I was scared to death. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to interfere, but thank God he did it while I was at work. So that Because I, I knew I, she wanted to interfere, right, so I just I do it when she wasn't there. Smart. <laughs> and, I, and, and she knows what she did, and I won't go through all that, because she says we always include her in our messages, and so I'm trying to be cognizant of the fact that I don't want to tell on her, but... She had done something that we had already promised that had she done it again, he was going to be the one to spank her. And I was scared. I'm not going to tell you a lie. But I had to let it happen. And he did, and he did it out of love. See, that's what people don't understand. Spankings are necessary. God, I'm kind of getting down into my next section here. But spankings are necessary because we have, that's how we show love. Because if we love them and we spank them so that they understand you don't continue with this mm-hmm. kind of um, behavior, yeah. yep. it's going to save you one day. 
See, these people that, that don't want to spank their kids, they don't understand. That means that these children are growing up with a lack of respect and authority. But I'm getting down into the no, wrong no, part No, let, no, let's, let's go to the next one. There you go. Okay, well, we're getting right into that. So we have got to teach our families, our children, our uh, offspring about respect. That's what's going on in the world today. We do not, we have not um, proliferated respect throughout the generations, mm. especially with the younger children. They don't respect you. They don't respect the school. They don't respect the teacher. Mm. They don't respect the church. They don't respect each other. They have a lack of respect today. That's what I see. And, and the word of God is clear. You know, he says in here, um, I don't know, that's my spot. I got all excited. Um, in 1 Peter 2.17, it says, show proper respect to everyone. Mm. Love the family of believers. Fear God. And see, they don't respect God. There is no fear for God today. Honor the king. That means, and I'm not talking about the king, the king of kings right now. I'm just talking about honor what's mm -hmm. going on on the earth. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they say, what is Caesar's, you know, whatever belongs to Caesar is Caesar's, mm -hmm. right? Give, render unto Caesar what is his. That's the king, okay? Mm -hmm. So that means that we have to have respect and honor for what's going on around us on this earth. This yeah. is where we are. So what's, what we're seeing is that, it, you know, respect begins at home, and we have a lot of young parents, and I'm not beating up parents because I'm not going to suggest that just because you're young, you do not teach them respect. That's right. But I yeah. will suggest that there are a lot of young parents who do not. They want to be their best friend. That's a major no-no. See, I used to tell Caitlin all the time, she'd say, you're not my best friend. And I'd say, no, I'm not. I'm your mama. I said, I will be your best friend at a point in time. And today we are. But, you know, back then, there had to be a distinction. See, you remember how um, Uzzah got too familiar with God and he mm. reached out, right? See, so we're talking about familiarity. That's where he, was, he lost his respect mm. for God and he died. And what we're seeing today is children have lost their respect for anything around them, and they're dying. They're killing each other off. Yeah. Left and right. We look around, and it seems like every murder is somebody within the ages of 25 and 18. Yeah. And it's because we have not taught them respect in the home. See, there's a word, and it's a Greek word, mm. and it's pronounced mm -hmm. timesate. And it means honor and value. Mm -hmm. It means that you are placing a value on something that has meaning to you. So what this tells me is that when people don't respect each other, they don't respect themselves. Mm. So when there's a lack of respect for yourself, then of course you don't care about disrespecting others mm -hmm. around you. See, we, our children learn respect or disrespect <laughs> from the environments that they're in. Parents, when you are at home and you're out of the sight, or you think, of everybody else, but you're in the sight of your children, and you're fussing and you're fighting and you're dishonoring each other and disrespecting each other, what do you think that shows your children? Disrespect. And they take that disrespect because for them it's normal. And they take that disrespect and they take it with them to wherever they go, in school, wherever. Parents are, um, are disrespecting teachers today. Teachers have no authority. I feel sorry for you. I could not be a teacher.
parents are, as soon as the child, something happens to the child, the, the parents want to go out and disrespect the teacher in front of everybody. <laughs> and what does that show the child? Y'all, I'm just, I'm just talking plain to you today. We have got to start laying down some laws in the home. If we want to see a change as a church, as a, as a spiritual body, it has to start at home. Mm -hmm. Children should not hit parents. God knows if Caitlin had done it, she might not be here today. Would you? There has to be a fear. I didn't say that. A healthy fear of parental uh, guidance, of parental, of parents in the home. See, what happens is pa kids don't fear you. And when they don't fear you, they don't respect you. All right, so let's go back through these. Those are the negative impacts right there. By teaching them nothing, by teaching negative attitudes, uh, teaching no standards for life, and then that last one, teaching no respect for authority. So let's do some positive things here. Y'all want to go to the positive? Yeah, I'm That's sure That's the negative that stuff, right? right? But we're going to do some positive things on this one because th these are instrumental. So I'm positive consumption of good things. So the first thing we can do on a positive scale is uh, we can develop a Christian lifestyle in our families. And let me give you the scripture that I found for this one. It says, it's in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. It says, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all have been united with Christ and baptism have put on the character of Christ. The character of Christ, like putting on new clothes. So in other words, saints of God, this is saying you should be clothed with the character of Christ just as often as you put on clothes. And so usually we have clothes on unless we're taking a shower, unless some people shower with clothes on. I don't know. You might be weird like that. But <laughs> so, but we, most of the time we have clothes on, right? So just as often as you put on your clothes, you should be putting on the character of Christ. Now, Christ-likeness means, guys, this is nothing spooky about Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness means that you think like, act like, mm -hmm. talk like, walk like Jesus. If you don't read his word, how will you know what he did? You can't imitate something that you know nothing about. So we have to read the word of God so that we can give that to our children. That's great. But what they need to see is Christ's likeness in us first, because therefore, if we don't do that, we will be we will have a Pharisaic spirit. You know what that spirit is? Don't do as I do. Do what I say. So that means, you know what? I want you to do this. But if they don't see you doing it, why would they do it? Hello, somebody. So so then in the house. We first must live a life of holiness and righteousness at home so that we can teach it to them. Because if we don't, it's easy for them to say, well, you, oh, for instance, you tell your child to clean up the room. Then I tell you, clean the room. Yeah, yeah, you told me to clean the room. I'm going to get to it. And you keep telling, right? Then they're going to lay something on you that you ain't ready for. Well, you didn't clean up your room, mama. But then you're going to get mad because you didn't clean up your room. 
Amen. And so you, you, again, you have to be that example. You make sure your room is clean. Then you can say, okay, get your room done. Amen. You're showing them the example. Now, that was just a very pragmatic example, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Because I think all of us have been there when we told our children to do something and then they point out something we didn't do. That makes you mad, doesn't it? It makes you mad, but it's truth. <laughs> Amen. So, so what we got to do is positively give them good enriching things by developing a Christ-like lifestyle. And Elaine is going to give you the second one. Another thing we can do is by teaching Christian values and virtues. Now, we've talked about respect and authority and all this all of this falls in line together. You can speak of one thing, and it's going to roll you into the next thing and into the next thing. I, I have a big gulp of a scripture here I do want to read, though, and it's 1 Samuel 2, 22 through 25. And it's, you all have probably heard this about Eli. And Eli was very old. He'd heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. Mm. Now, see, Eli was a priest, and he was supposed to know the word of God, and he was supposed to know the law. But however, he managed to fail to teach his sons about Christian virtues <laughs> and values. They were going around doing all number of things. And what happens is, it was, and his sons by the name of Hophni and Phinehas. So when they fail, when we fail to teach our, our children the Christian values and virtues, see, and they choose to follow the ways of the dark or the Satan, whatever you want to call them, then... We have failed as parents hmm. because the unfortunate part is that when they fail, sometimes you might fail. You know, Eli fell out the window, broke his neck, and died. See, God has, God has a way of showing you your own error. And what happened is Eli didn't do what he was supposed to do. So not only did he, his sons lose their lives, but he lost his life. We've got to teach our families and our kids about the values. Values such as holiness, mm. righteousness, goodness, um, kindness. All of these things are values and virtues that we've got to teach. Forgiveness. How many of us don't forgive? We hold a grudge forever and ever and ever. And we teach our kids to hold grudges forever and ever and ever. <laughs> and then you don't even remember what the grudge was. You're mad for something you don't remember. But if we, on the other hand, if we have done our very, very best, and this is something I want you to understand, saints, because I'm not saying that we all do everything wrong and that our, we, we do everything wrong and that's why our kids are wrong. You could have done everything right. Mm -hmm. Just right. I mean, everything right. And they might still choose to go another way. Mm -hmm. You can't so hold that. That is not your responsibility at that point. So I, I want to make sure that I'm giving you the other side because I don't want you to feel like, oh, all they're talking about is negative, negative, negative. That is not the case here. 
because what we're saying is that if you put in the right values, there's no guarantee always that those values That's are right. going to come out. That's right. My parents put the right values in me, and for a long time, those right values did not come out. Mm -hmm. So you just have to continue to pray and, and focus on all that you did put into your children and pray that they will see mm. the light if Amen. they're not following it today. That's right. Amen. If you, and, and this is a, a, a write this down. Mm -hmm. If you lead your children, if you lead your children, it's not difficult for them to follow. But if you push, it's easier for them to fall. And that's what we do sometimes. We push and we push and we push and we push them right out the door, right into the arms of the world. And then you don't understand. Yes, you gave them great values, but you push them right into the arms of Satan because you didn't give them an opportunity to follow your lead mm -hmm. or your direction or your example. When I grew up, um, a lot, uh, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, when um, I was messing around a lot, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, I used to like like to look for the 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 church girls, the PK kids. Y'all know what I'm talking about, guys. Now look, they they all holy now. You you see that album? They all holy now, Pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. See, we we the reason we did that. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. See, the reason we did that is because their parents pushed the girls so much that they couldn't wait to go and do bad, right? So those are the ones we, we, we prayed on. I ain't talking about pray, P-R-A-Y either. I'm talking about we prayed P-R-E-Y. So those are, <laughs> those are the ones we prayed on because they were, they, they were being pushed so much to where they couldn't get out of that, right? So when we, when we became pastors, that was the one thing that I said that we were never going to push her to do anything in the church. Anything she wanted to do in the church, it was going to be totally up to her that we weren't going to push her to do anything. And, and, and the, the results of that was she would drive all the way from Greensboro when she was in college sometimes just so she can be in church. Right? Because we never pushed her to do anything. If people came in this church, I'm like, why your daughter don't do this? Is she your daughter? You don't tell me what my daughter need to be doing. I'm her father, not you. Hey, hello. And so sometimes I had to get on church folks, yes, because church folk don't understand. No, I, I, I bring up my family the way I need to bring up my family. Amen? And so and I knew the results were going to be bad if Elaine and I pushed her so much because I was one day the ones that were being pushed. All right, now y'all can get back into holiness since y'all. So, so, <laughs> so we're talking about the examples and being an example. An example is a, a pattern, a model that you want to pattern yourselves by. Titus 2, 7 through 8 says, And everything set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of mind, um, excuse me, soundness of speech, that cannot be condemned, and it goes on and on, and I stopped right there because that's really what I wanted to share. We have to be sound in our decisions. We have to be sound in our speech. We have to be have integrity. We have to be serious about God. Jesus is our primary good example, and if we follow him 
and we attempt to live our lives like moral, ethical, and holy, then we will be examples to those around mm -hmm. us. See, children are imitators of what they see and experience good and bad out of what they see. So if you're a worshiper, most likely they will be too. If you show love to people, and they will have a heart to show love as well. If you're a giver, then they'll probably become mm -hmm. givers. Mm -hmm. If you show respect to others, regardless of their circumstances, then they probably will be that kind of person as well. However, if you speak negative, so will they. If you're a junkie housekeeper, most likely your children will be too. If you <laughs> curse, they'll be little cursors. If you litter, they'll probably be litterers. If you don't eat vegetables, this is practical. If you don't eat vegetables, probably they won't either, but you surely can't tell them what you need to do and you're not doing it. Mm. And if you show prejudices, they will learn to hate. Mm -hmm. See how easy we impact others around us? And we do it through our everyday living. And all we're trying to get you to do is to think sometimes before you act or speak. I think you get the point. The point is, live your life hmm. as you would want it to see reflected in others. Hmm. <laughs> Let me give you the last one here, and then we're going to do Q&A. Um, I was, uh, I can't remember what book I was reading. Um, I think it was, uh, maybe may have been a book by Leonard Ravenhill. Um, and uh, I was, because I've been studying up on revivals, but it said that sometimes we have to be the change that we want to see. Amen. We have to be the change that we want to see. And if we want to make an impact on the community, we say, well, Lord, I want to make a great impact. He drew a circle like a hula hoop, right? Just about a circle about as big as a hula hoop. And he said, the Lord told him to get in that circle. And he said, when you're in that circle, pray until you impact everybody in that circle. He said, because you're not going to impact anybody until I make an impact on you. Yeah, that's right. Now, isn't that powerful? Yeah. Right? So, in other words, saints of God, it gets right back to us. And, he, and the last one is offering your family the bread of life. We have to make sure that our children understand who Jesus Christ is. But we have to know ourselves. If we don't know, we can't teach it. Let me give you the last scripture here. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And he's talking about spiritually because when you got Jesus, he'll feed you everything you need. He will quench every thirst that you have. So bottom line is this. We have to be a true representation of Jesus Christ and the church in our home so that we can be the examples for our children, right? Now, sometimes we do lose it because we, we are, we, we know we're in this flesh body, right? But the biggest and the greatest, and this is not even in my notes, but this is what I feel in my spirit to say, but the biggest and the greatest gift we could ever give our children is sowing seeds of transparency and vulnerability into them. When we go to them and say, I was wrong. One of the biggest gifts we can give our babies. And say, you know what? I was wrong. Same with spouses. Same with relationships, friends, church people. Say, you know what? I was wrong. I had a, I had a viewpoint about you. I was totally wrong. And I just need your forgiveness. 
can we do that in the house of God? Because we are family. And see, isn't it interesting how in the world your boys or your girls can talk bad about you, cuss you out, slap you in the face, and y'all hanging out the next weekend? But in the church, somebody get mad, and they mad for life, knowing that you're not going to get to heaven with that kind of attitude. Am I talking to the right people this morning? Okay. All right. That was my last little bit. You got something else, baby girl? Q&A. Q&A. All right. Come on and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.